Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Welcome back to Not Another Mummy podcast with me, Alison Perry. Hello and welcome back. My guest on this episode is Amy Ransom. If you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you might remember Amy was a guest way back in 2017, talking about her experiences of postnatal depression. Amy is a mum of three and the author of a trio of handbooks for motherhood, The New Mum's Notebook, The Not-So-New Mum's Notebook and The School Mum's Notebook. Earlier this year, though, her latest book was published and it's very different to her previous books. The Soul-Soaring Virtues of Separation, 111 Learnings to Heal Your Heart and Help You Fly is a guide to reframing separation to be the start of something new rather than the end. Amy talks to me today about her own separation and the turning point when she started to look at it differently. She talks about the laws of attraction and how she applies that theory to all aspects of her life. What I found really interesting about Amy's book and our chat is that it's not just helpful to someone if they've been through a separation. So many of the learnings in her book apply to general life. Before we get to Amy, a quick request from me. If you enjoy listening to the podcast, I would be ever so grateful if you can subscribe and leave me a rating and review on whichever podcast app you're listening on. Thank you. And here's my chat with Amy Ransom. I hope you enjoy. Amy, welcome back to the podcast. Oh, Alison. Honestly, I was I was thinking this morning, how long ago was it that I was on? It was 2017. Blimey. What is that? Is that is that like five years ago? Yeah, well, who knows? Maybe 15, given what's gone on in the last year. <laughs> I don't know time anymore. I think it was the beginning of your series too. Mm, yeah. And you were on then to talk about your experience of postnatal depression, weren't you? I was. We had a really, I want to say a good chat. I mean, it wasn't necessarily, the topic wasn't good in terms of you chatting about yeah. it, but I feel like it's probably a chat that helped a lot of people who were listening and you were very honest and open about about your experiences. Um, but it's really great to have you back. I'm thrilled to be here. Oh, and you're talking about your new book, which is The Soul Soaring Virtues of Separation. Um, tell me about this book and tell me about the title that you've given it. 
Ah, uh, do you know what the title is? Was so instinctive. Um, so I obviously saw you in 2017. I must have actually separated by then. Yeah, I guess I must. Yeah, have you done. had. I had. Yeah. Um, and it was funny because I always said that you know I had a friend and. She said something about you're, you're going to, you know, when I was sort of in the thick of it in the first year, she said, you're going to write a book about this one day and help people. And I said to her, I will never, ever write about this because it really felt like something I just didn't want to write about. And then one day I went for a run and I was um, listening to Oprah's Super Soul Conversations. And all of a sudden I had this moment of, I'm going to write this book on separation. And the title was there from the very beginning. It just, because separation for me has been a really positive and, and actually a really transformative experience. And the soul soaring that it just, it just all came together. Um, and it, and it's a funny title, I think, because they're not necessarily words that you would expect to maybe see next to separation. It also takes it into quite a spiritual, um, realm, which, you know, I think spirituality, regardless of religion, is all around us, actually. And it's, you know, the voice inside of us, it's, you know, the voice of anyone inside of you. And, and that for me has, has been one of the really defining things. Um, so it couldn't be called anything else. And I was just so delighted. I mean, you know, it's been published by Hay House, who are literally, that's what they do is spirituality. And I was so pleased that they just loved the title from the start, because I think had I gone with a very commercial publisher, I think maybe, it might have needed to be called something else, you know, because it's, you know, it's quite specific. Um, but yeah, it was always going to be so soaring. And have you always been a spiritual person? Because I mean, I've known you for a few years now, and that isn't something that I necessarily would have, you know, if someone said to me, describe Amy, I wouldn't necessarily have said spiritual. So is that, is that, is, have you always been? spiritual or is it something that you've kind of explored and discovered in recent years? I, a combination. I definitely from, from a very young age, I had this feeling inside of me, which I now understand a lot more about. Um, I didn't really realize what it was then, but it was something that made me feel that things were going to be okay. And I, and I had, I've always had very strong instincts. And actually I believe that anyone who has strong instincts, is in touch with, you know, themselves and the source energy and love. And, and it all sounds, you know, when you're not, when you're not sort of learned in, in any of it, it can seem a bit far-fetched or, but actually we're not doing any of this on our own. I mean, as you know, from your, you know, last time we spoke, you didn't have twins and, you know, so we, and now you've got your book. So all these things are co-created and, I just think that once we kind of, once we can harness that and we can harness it, you know, it's, it's, it's a process and, and it's not, it's not a static, consistent process, um, which in itself you learn is a good thing. Um, so I think for me, it's been a case of, um, timing. I, I just happened to meet a very good friend, someone who's a very good friend now, um, at the time that I'd separated and she really redefined lots of things for me, you know, and, um, I think that that, combination with the fact that I was already predisposed to it. It was just like a perfect, a perfect spell, really. That's amazing. It's incredible. Um, and the book is based, isn't it, on the theory of the laws of attraction, Yes. which I am happy to admit I know nothing about. Um, and so I'm really interested. And you, and you mentioned before we, before we started recording, you were saying, um, 
oh my goodness, you know, like the twins and your book and all of these things have all come at once for you. And to me, it's just like, well, they just have like, you know, it just, it just, yeah. it just so happens that all of this stuff, this really good stuff has happened at the same time. But to you, does it, are, are, is there a, 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 a bigger explanation for, for that, for that kind of thing happening? I mean, the law of attraction is, the law of attraction is, is for a lot of people, um, they don't, it's actually really interesting that you say you don't know much about it. Cause I feel like everyone talks about it now, but maybe that's when you're, aware of it. I think when you're tuned into something, you see it. It's like when you buy a red car and then all you see are red cars everywhere. Yeah. So I think, and also, and also I think that a lot of what we are exposed to and what we take in, um, it really depends on, I guess, like our social media bubbles and who we follow. Absolutely that. So one person could think that, well, everyone's talking about the laws of attraction and then the next person could be like, literally never heard of it. What is it? You know? Yeah. But yeah. well, do you remember that book and film that came out years ago um, called The Secret? I don't know if you ever watched yes. it or ever saw it. It was huge. I didn't watch it, but it was massive. About 20 years ago or so, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. And that's basically Law of Attraction. And funnily enough, after right. I had, I think it was after I had Ivy, actually, num- who's my number two, my middle um, I, you know, postnatal depression definitely displayed itself in all my pregnancies you know afterwards even I didn't realize it until my third and on my second I had this feeling that something awful was going to happen and you know I was I was very health anxious I was convinced I was going to die then I heard of a neighbor who um was diagnosed with breast cancer and all those things fed in and then my friend who I went to university with sent me the dvd of the secret and she said that's not how life works and watch this because it doesn't my my theory at the time was so many good things have happened to me why me why should I have all these great things and something has to now counteract that and go wrong and actually that's completely the opposite of how law of attraction works because law of attraction is basically your energy and so the more good energy you put out the more you get back Um, and there's another key thing that says you have to be the person you are without yet being it So you can't, you know, they talk about being in alignment. So being in alignment is basically you being your authentic self in a peaceful, calm place. And once you're in that place, you can only manifest good things. And that's not to say that bad things won't happen because that's the whole thing behind it, isn't it? If if there's all these, you know, spiritual aspects, then why do bad things happen? But it's about how you act within that set of circumstances. So, for example, I guess you could you could say, you know, how can separation, for example, which is is still viewed as quite a tragic thing, especially when you have children, how can separation be an amazing experience? And the, the answer to that question is because you choose for it to be so. And that, and that's it. And I, and I've watched, you know, my, my separation was mutual, but I've watched people who have been, you know, left by their partner pregnant while they've been pregnant. And I've watched them turn this situation around into something magical. And I've watched them, you know, almost become their happiest self. You know, so, so law of attraction is very much, it's about energy. And it's about what we do with that energy. And and it's about putting yourself in a place of ease instead of putting yourself in a place of conflict. I guess the reality for a lot of people, though, who have gone through a separation or any kind of, you know, potentially mm. traumatic situation 
is that they don't necessarily feel like they have that energy. I mean, there are, there are points of your book where you describe, you know, doing the school run, coming home, crawling into bed, sleeping, watching a movie, getting out of bed just to do the school run again. And that, that, that is, you know, the reality for so many. So where do you get that? I guess, you know, that, that energy from to say, I'm going to turn this around. I'm going to turn this into something positive when you just feel so battered by the situation. It's really, it's, it's hard and it's simple. It's not a big grand gesture. So it's about changing your momentum within, within seconds. So, you know, that feeling when you just feel really lethargic and you think, I can't do any of this. I can't do any of this. You don't then go and do something amazing like, well, I'm going to go and, you know, change my career or write a book or do any of these things. You do something like you get up and you mop the floor. And it literally is that simple. It's, you know, I talk to my kids about doing this a lot as well, about just changing your momentum gradually. Because what happens is the more you change it very, very slowly is it builds. And what Law of Attraction talks about is how you have to build momentum in the right direction. So obviously, you know, it's absolutely fine to get into bed or to sit on the sofa. It's fine to do all of those things. And those things absolutely have a place. It's about what you do after that, because at some point you have to shift that energy. Um, and, um, I think a lot of it is about physical movement because physical movement, you know, and I'm not talking about exercise, although that's brilliant. Physical movement releases trapped energies, you know, frozen stuck energies, which a lot of us have now because we've obviously been in a lockdown state and a very frozen state. Um, so it's, it's about, you know, one of the, one of the techniques I talk about in the book is focusing on the next 10 minutes. So when you are feeling, you know, whatever that emotion is beside yourself, desperate, overwhelmed, you just think about what can I do in the next 10 minutes to lift my mood a fraction? And that's what you set about doing. And then it's amazing. And it's happened to me many times. I still have to use it, Alison. That's what's really interesting to me is that I don't, I've written this book and then we've had a pandemic. I've launched it in a pandemic. The pandemic's challenged me like it's challenged everyone. And I've had moments where I've thought, oh, damn it, I thought I was there with this, you know, spirituality and practice. And and actually, you have to keep going at it. Um, but the 10 minute thing, absolutely, it still works for me every single time. That's amazing. It's so good as well to hear someone being quite honest about the fact that it's almost like you're not standing up and saying, I'm an expert on this, guys. You need to basically follow everything I say in my book and you're going to be fine. That actually you're still following your own advice in your book. And you, you, you say that in the book as well, which is, it's quite refreshing to hear. Yeah. I mean, at the time of my separation, I um, met this friend and then I started listening. I've always listened to, I've always been interested, you know, I bought the Celestine Prophecy years ago when I was like 20. I've always been interested in different types of books. And, and I guess when you said about spirituality, I've always been looking for meaning. I've always been looking for what the greater reason is. Um, and so when I was listening to loads of podcasts, you know, and, and Oprah's brilliant for introducing tons and tons of sort of, you know, spiritual leaders and things. What I've tried to do in Soul Soaring is I've tried to put all of that information into a book because when you're separating, you're, you're in a fog and you're, you've got, you've got so many conflicting emotions. You haven't necessarily got the time to digest all of those things. So, you know, I've just tried to 
to kind of mesh together my learnings with lots and lots of, you know, lessons and things from great spiritual people, you know, like Eckhart Tolle, um, Dalai Lama, lots of people like that, so that it makes it accessible. Um, because the law of attraction isn't, a, you know, it's not a difficult concept to grasp once you understand the very, very basics of it. Um, and that is about pursuing the feeling of feeling good and feeling at ease because we're much more likely to make, I guess, choices that will that will help progress us forward if it comes from a place of ease rather than a place of conflict. So, th- so that's what it's about. It's about removing, you know, we don't want to live in conflict, do we? I know that it, we can perceive there's no choice but to live in conflict at times. Um, but, you know, for example, you know, five years, nearly five years on now, my ex-husband and I separated. We literally only got divorced about three months ago. And we're in a really easy place with each other. And that's something that lots of people say to me, you know, how can I get into this place? And I say, you have to choose at some point. And it's not to say that they're not going to still drive you nuts and you're going to have conflict. You have to choose to view them from a place of love. And they're like, are you kidding me? And I'm like, no, because it's when you do that, that you are your true self, because we all want to, we all, we all sourced for, we all come from love. And, you know, we love our kids and we love our kids unconditionally, but we don't tend to love other humans unconditionally. And that's kind of what we have to, we have to take a leap. Why do you think that you you mentioned earlier on that separation is viewed as being, you know, this worst case scenario for most people um you know and it's really seen as the kind of if the worst happens then you know we'll have to separate and um you know go from there um i know so many people women who are far happier after they have separated from their partner um is, do you think that the perception of of separation is slowly changing or do you think that it will forever be seen as this thing to be feared and avoided at all costs oh I think it's changing I I feel it a little bit actually like it's it's weird how trends happen isn't it because you know when you and I first started out it was all about turning motherhood from this kind of you know glossy image to an honest image and I feel like we're doing the same with separation because again it's like the red car it's like the red car thing isn't it you know you suddenly see loads of things there's lots of books coming out about divorce and separation most of which seem to be quite you know no one's saying well that was a tragedy so I think we are slowly changing and I think it's like anything it's it's how we construct our perspective isn't it you know in the past it probably was a very limiting situation for lots of reasons um and now we're obviously in a place where women are much more independent um and maybe we feel you know that we're more able to make those choices I do also think you get to an age where you just realize that you've you've ticked all the milestones and actually if you're not in a place that you're happy and that definitely I think comes at around the the 40 mark you probably do think actually I want to pursue more or I deserve more and you may start to question things so I I, I definitely think we're changing absolutely um and how did you feel personally when you look back on your marriage I want to say falling apart that sounds like really really negative but when when you when you realized that you were getting to a point where separation was inevitable looking back how did you feel then i'm guessing that you haven't always viewed this as being 
a positive experience. Yeah, I mean, I I did know for quite a long time that it was coming. And actually, when I thought it was definitely coming, I did what I think a lot of people do. And I tried to save it. Um, And then, and I really tried, I, I really pulled out the stops. But I could also see while I was doing that, that it was a false effort and it wasn't going to bring either of us what we wanted. Um, so, I mean, I do remember after it happened, I do remember sitting in my garden with my sister and just going, oh my gosh, I remember feeling like it was big, you know, I'm sitting there and, and Joseph, you know, my third was only two at the time. And I remember thinking, what have I done? And have I done the right thing? And and actually I was really lucky. I didn't confide in lots of people, but the people that were close to me then no one thought I should go back and I think that that was at that time when I was quite vulnerable I think that that was really validating to have other people's support but I didn't I didn't once think really I've done the wrong thing here I knew it was something that had to happen and so for me it was much more a case of okay I'm petrified on one level but I'm also ridiculously relieved on another level and also quite soon you know things started to happen for me that felt like they had never happened so all of a sudden you know all these blocks and I'm sure that was to do with energy I was like you know suddenly feeling much more liberated I mean people said to me once they knew they were like wow I'd wondered what was different about you because you just seemed lighter you just seemed and then all these good things happened Alison and I literally could not stop them happening (laughs) what kind of things well so I obviously had self-published the new mum's notebook which weirdly I got delivered about three weeks before we separated and um our separation was quite dramatic actually and from the day we separated he never slept in this house again and you know I know that doesn't happen with a lot of people but it was just the way it had to happen for us and so of course the new mum's notebook turned up so suddenly I went from going what am I going to do to oh hang on a minute I've got these 3,000 books that I need to sell you literally had like a lorry turn up to your house didn't you with all of these books because you yeah because you self-published it and then you were and you were physically posting these copies out to people who <laughs> bought them it wasn't just a case of some warehouse somewhere in near Milton Keynes had your book you had you you know you had all of these books that you were going to sell I did what I always do and that is not really think it through like we talked about this before we came on air didn't we about you know sometimes if you overthink things and you also make it make you know you've ticked every box you never actually do it but I was on holiday when the books turned up so I had a friend move them in and it was 2.5 tons it's like an elephant and when I came back from holiday I, they were everywhere I was like oh gosh that's what 3,000 hardback books look like um so but, but I was given you know so I've been handed you know this thing that I can sell and make money on and be financially secure for a little bit And so that happened, which was amazing. And I loved selling it. I just loved the people I met. I loved how people loved the book. And then, of course, I got the book deal with Penguin. So it was all a bit nuts. And then I turned 40 at the end of it, of that first year of being separated. And it just was, you know, that's going to be, you know, the summer, I I call it, I always call it the summer of 17, you know, summer of 69. That's going to be my summer of 69. It's it's going to be the, the the year that I always think about and the year that when I'm an 80-year-old woman, God willing, I remember how amazing it was because it just was amazing. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. 
That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. It's interesting, though, that you said you were handed, I guess, this opportunity or handed this situation. But the way that I look at that is that you made that happen. You know, yeah. the only reason that you had 3,000 hardback books delivered to your house is because you wrote that book and you made it happen. And you, I remember talking to you about it at the time and you telling me how you had basically, you know, sourced, you, you worked with an illustrator and you saw, you, you worked out how to get this thing printed and how much it would cost and just, you know, a huge amount of work that you put into it. So I don't see it as being you separated and then all of this amazing stuff started happening. Yeah. You put the work in. Well, and and that's the thing, isn't it? It's, that's a, a big part of the law of attraction stuff is that I can see that and I can see that that's how it looks. And I, of course, I put that work in, but also there was something with me doing that because I didn't know anything about publishing a book, anything. So to suddenly go, right, well, let's just figure out how one, how a person does this and everything just slotted into place. Now, as I know now, because the separation book is really interesting because I I don't really plan very much about my books, but, you know, there's 111 learnings in there because in numerology, 111 is a really powerful number. So you've got the number one, which is obviously, you know, associated with independence and authenticity. And then you've got the master number 11, which is all about awakening and enlightenment. So where, I mean, you know, where did that come from? I didn't know tons about numerology before I started. As I was writing the book, that number came to me. And a bit like the title came to me. And, you know, once I started writing it, I'm not a great planner when I write. You know, I I just write and it sort of happens. It does happen actually quite naturally. So I started the book, but then I'd find that some days I would sit down and I wouldn't write the book chronologically. I wouldn't write in order. One day I'd just sit down and I'd this learning would come to me. Now, of course, a lot of it's based on my experience, but, you know, I just know that, you know, whether you view co-creation as, you know, me and you, or we're co-creating right now. And on the back of this conversation, I'll have inspiration from you and you'll have inspiration from me. I mean, that's co-creation. It's, you know, as it's very, you know, physical now. But actually all around you are influences and things that are helping you to, to create. And they're in your subconscious somewhere. And then suddenly they come out. So I totally see now the new mum's notebook. I mean, I wrote that in the midst of PND. I'm like, you know, and days when I couldn't get out of bed, then I'm doing something like writing a book. So I think those things, and I think, and I still believe this, I still believe that the best things 
And, you know, the most successful, and I don't mean the most successful as in the most read or the biggest earners or those things, but the most successful things I think are the, the things that come from those places of love, of, of really genuine intent as well. You know, why are you writing this book? You know, I, uh, you know, before I um, published with Hay House, I was really prepared to self-publish this book again because it didn't, it wasn't overwhelming to me to to do that. And I just thought, I want the book out there and I don't really mind how many people read it, but I wanted it to be a resource so that people could, you know, tap into that if they wanted to and have a different experience. That makes perfect sense to me. And me saying to you, you made all that happen, isn't me dismissing this stuff that you believe in. It's me. No, I know. It's me just... I guess not wanting you to dismiss the work that you put into it, you know, because, no, you know, the energy helps you or the, you know, higher beings helped you or however you want to look at it. You also needed to put the graft in as well. Yeah. I mean, you've got to put the graft in and, but again, it's how you view that because I think if, you know, after shortly after the new mum's notebook, I did. Ha- I used to get people like kind of saying to me, "I want to publish a self-published book. How did you do it? Where did you find the printers? Where did you do this?" And blah blah blah. And I really understand that, but it my experience when I do something is that's part of the fun for me, like going, you know, doing a spreadsheet and working out your profit, and but also just understanding the process and and learning about it is the fun bit for me, almost as much as when the the book or whatever you're working on comes to fruition. So I think, I think we, I think hard work, it's really funny. I really try not to tell my kids to work hard. I've really lapsed recently because I've, I've, I've fallen into conditional thinking and, you know, I'm, there's fear inside of me of, you know, did I, you know, my eldest has just started secondary and she's only been there three months and she's had most of her time out and, you know, worrying about her in her room all the time on remote learning and all those things. So all of those things have contributed to me falling into habitual thinking. But I also know that she, you know, when we tell kids to work hard and if you don't work, these things are not going to come. It's the wrong message because actually what we should be saying is we're not dismissing a work ethic, but it's how we portray that. You know, when we tell them you've got to work hard because all your peers are and you won't amount to anything, that's coming from a place of fear. Whereas what we should be saying is, work easily, work with passion, work at the things that you love and do the other things because they're going to help you do that thing that you're passionate about. But we have to be aware of how we talk to them. And and I will be the first one to say I've done a dreadful job in recent months of of portraying that. And I'm now working to go, come on, you know, they're back at school and I can see they're happy and the lights come on in their eyes. And, you know, but it is it's how we portray work. But it's good that you're aware of that, isn't it? Yeah, I'm really aware of it. It's good that you're aware of that and you're yeah. you're able to kind of backtrack on it. And also I think that, let's be honest, the last year hasn't been about any of us hitting those parenting goals. It's been about survival. It's been about getting to the end of each day in one piece and trying to keep all of our mental health intact. So yeah. I think we can forgive you, Amy, for saying that. I mean, the law of the law of attraction stuff and all the stuff in the book. For me, it's about exactly what you've just said. And I was talking to someone the other day about this. It's about awareness. You know, if we are aware, we can do something about it. It's when we kind of, you know, it's when we kind of 
slip into a you know a sort of a sleep where you know we're awake with you know we're asleep with our eyes open that the damage is done because that's when you're not aware of what you're doing and that's when you can bring the wrong stuff into your life because we've all had it you know you know as I you know reach that lovely perimenopausal age you know if you're in a a, a certain point of your cycle you know I engaged with anger last summer like I have never engaged with anger because I felt so much injustice everywhere I saw people you know I became as my daughter calls me a Karen because <laughs> you know you know the yeah. Karen thing Alison is your daughter on your back no Karen? My, th- thankfully she's not onto the Karen thing yet but <laughs> no you wait I literally was she would mum don't be a Karen because I'd see people misbehaving when loads of us were having to live you know we were supposed to be living in a restricted way and and it would drive me you know to distraction and I just can't allow myself to go there again so even when I see stuff now I'm like I'm not going to choose anger because that's just going to end up in me perpetuating a state that then brings crap into my life which I don't want. I think on that I think we've all learned to just think everyone is dealing with this health crisis in a different way and as long as you as long as you're happy with how you are dealing with it and your family are safe and doing things the way that you believe to be correct you almost have to just let everyone else get on with it don't you because like you say it can eat you up yeah and integrity and moral compass is completely different and it can't be the same because we're all brought up differently we all have different experiences we all have different daily experiences so actually to become that really judgmental person that I could feel I was becoming last summer was a horrible reality and it's not someone that I would have said I was before and I don't want to be her again it's that old tricky ego and and that's interesting as well the whole ego thing yeah um tell me tell me more about that the ego thing well ego is the thing that you know is your you know so at the very essence of you is your soul hence the soul soaring and your soul is that really loving instinctive person inside of you that actually was there from the day you were born and it's the one that you're we're we're supposed to listen to but you know we've got that tricky ego that wants us to be smarter and more successful and richer and thinner and all of those things um and it's the ego that causes all the problems I mean it's the ego that I have to watch myself now with my 11 year old because she is becoming beautifully independent and I'm absolutely loving seeing it at the same time, I, if I, if I perceive that she's spoken to me in a way that I don't like, I, my ego comes out and it, and it meets her ego and the two egos clash and they have this wonderful, you know, tense altercation that gets neither of us anywhere. Um, but actually when you picture your ego as something that isn't you and, and, and an ego can be created by other people, how other people see us. So, well, that person sees me like that. So am I that person that they see? And it's, you know, when you think of it like that, you could actually have a million selves, couldn't you? Because everyone will have a different experience of who you are. Um, I always picture myself now, a really useful thing for me, because I find things visually to be quite tangible. I, I picture putting my ego away in a box <laughs> when I can feel that I'm feeling, if I feel a pang of envy that comes from nowhere or I, you know, we all do it. We go on social media and we think, oh, well, they're doing really well on that. Or it's a horrible, you know, emotion that none of us want to feel. However, it is part of being a human, but it's not who we are deep down. 
it's, you know, it's the ego. I mean, Eckhart Tolle's brilliant for talking about all of that, isn't he? And, you know, he's he's brought the ego into the mainstream. But we just have to be aware of it. We do, because it's a it's a tricky it's a tricky part of us. Yeah, and it's something that we all I think we all battle with it. I think it's safe to say, you know, to some to some extent. Definitely. And yeah, you're right. Social media has just I think exacerbated it and kind of put a microscope Put, you know, puts under a microscope in that in that um, sense. Um, now you mentioned the learnings. Your book is made up of 111 learnings, um, but I think that many of them are things that can apply to someone who's reading it who hasn't gone through or isn't going through a separation. I just think they're great life lessons. I, I, so many of them. I mean, obviously, a, oh. a lot of stuff that we're talking about now is relevant and interesting to anybody yeah um you know it almost feels a shame that it's only potentially going to be read by people going through a separation (laughs) it needs to be reaching a wider audience oh you're so brilliant do you know what it's really lovely you've said that so many people have said that about the book I've got like married friends who are reading it like it's their bedtime reading you know the lovely thing about the book is that you can dip in and out and that's exactly what I wanted because you can't I, my, my attention to reading at the moment is horrific and it has been for quite a while, but dipping in and out of things is really useful. Um, I also love the whole thing that if you flick through the book, I always say the universe will always give you the page you need on that day. See, I, I've got a PDF of your book, Amy, so I can't do that. Maybe I should like scroll my computer. And then stop it. No, no, no. You need uh you're you're having a, a one coming your way. <laughs> um but what's it is amazing what you've said because it is a, almost a shame because I I wonder if it will be one of those books that people come to via someone else. And I've also said that I think it will save as many marriages as you know, because people I've said that in the introduction, people will pick that book up and I've got people that have messaged me and who are doing that, who are they're curious, you know, like sober curious, separation curious. They want to sort of know. And and actually, I believe that had my ex-husband and I been on the same path, you know, we all grow and we either grow together or we grow completely apart or maybe we grow at different rates. I think that if I knew some of the stuff I knew now, then perhaps we could have had a, a better go at saving our marriage. Um, and... I mean, I definitely think there's, I've had some sort of like moments of follow up of a follow up book for that. Cause I do, I agree with you. I think that there's so much of the book that it's just about living a more aware life. Um, and you know me. I mean, it's interesting you say, oh, I would never have said you are a spiritual person. And actually what I hope the book does is dispel a lot of that about what spirituality is. Cause spirituality to me is just listening to your really strong instincts because I think we're naive if we think that those instincts came from nowhere you know whether you think they've come from years of evolution or whatever you think that you know it's God or whatever it is it's a voice inside of you that whispers to you that you listen to and when you listen to that voice we've all done it as mothers we've all ignored that instinct when we were new mums and we thought we didn't know well enough and we've got you know maybe we've got a a grandparent or a mother or a mother-in-law or a friend telling us something that we think they must know more than us and we ignore what we were supposed to do and it all goes wrong and you're like damn it and that's our lesson as mothers I think that we you know you and I have got three kids now each we we've got the experience and confidence now to to actually listen to our instincts but that's what we need to do um 
So yeah, I agree with you. I think it's a book that is very relatable for lots of people and actually could leave, you know, help lots of people live a, a more authentic and actually a more fulfilling life and actually an easier life. I think what you need to do then, Amy, is... Change the cover. Not just that, not just, that but just do a few tweaks through it so that it's not necessarily all talking about a separation and repackage it and re-release it as a, as a different book. Yes, to a whole new, new market. There you go. There's some business advice for you. What's really nice is... You're so brilliant. What What's really nice that now people are reading it, people are saying the same thing. It's really lovely when people have the same experience. I was a bit nervous when it came out because people know me as a certain writer in a certain way, and it's definitely my voice. But I think I was nervous maybe about would it be accessible enough and would people relate to it? And actually what people are saying, which is lovely, is that it's made them feel calm, mm. which I really like. Yeah, yeah. Because that's what I just think the state that we all want. Yeah, and I think that your voice throughout it is definitely you. But even when you're talking about something that doesn't feel like a very calm situation, you seem to be able to describe it in quite a calming way. I mean, yeah. this is clearly a skill that you have, Amy. <laughs> so maybe it's also a, a good book for insomniacs. <laughs> yes. Read it before you go to sleep. Send them to sleep. <laughs> Send them to sleep. The phrase single mum, um, it comes loaded with so many assumptions, doesn't it? Um, most of them negative. Um, why do you think that is? And do you think that books like yours could go some way to dispelling that a little bit? I think if I'm going to be really brutal and honest about it, I think it is because in past times, people have associated um, single motherhood with a certain type of person, certain type of woman, a certain type of class. I think it's appalling, but I think we've done it. Um, and actually, I think we're now seeing that separation divorce um even maybe not having a you know having a partner I know of people that were pregnant and then have never had that experience of having a partner so I think it's just something that society's constructed like everything we've constructed what we think this image is and now we're we're redefining that a little bit I always call myself funnily enough a solo mum um because I don't know why I say that I just think it sounds maybe a bit nicer you're allowed to call yourself whatever you want yeah absolutely I think um so I've always called myself a solo mum um but also the single mother you know archetype is interesting because how many of us are actually single mothers I mean we're single mothers I'm a single mother but I do have I'm very lucky to have an ex-husband on the scene who is you know okay it might only be twice a week but he's there twice a week so I have got someone, although I am doing the daily stuff on my own, and I do, and I make most of the decisions because I did when we were married. So it wasn't really going to be much different when we were separated. I think that's another thing. I think people expect their separation to be better than their relationship was. So people get fundamentally disappointed when they separate and they go, well, this isn't going very well. Or, wow, we're still really annoying each other. And you're like, <laughs> yeah you're, you're going to until you reach that point where you see it can be different so I I just think that it's something we've done and I think it's totally in our power now to change and, and the more people that talk about how much they love being separated you know I know that when I was still married if I heard of someone that was separated I was really envious I had this real strong oh, really which was a real yeah absolutely I because I knew I wasn't happy but at that point I wasn't I couldn't see how I was ever going to leave and I just imagined I would stay in my marriage forever and I know that my 
you know, ex-husband probably felt the same on a slightly maybe less informed level, but it it was there. So I, it was a big telling, a telling thing for me. And I can see it in people now. Like there are people that since I've separated have definitely distanced themselves from me. And I'm imagine that for some of those people, it will be because maybe my situation is quite uncomfortable because it can be really uncomfortable to listen to someone who's clearly happy if you're not happy and you know that maybe that is your path, but you're not ready to confront it or you're not ready to walk it. And that's fine. You know, that's the other thing. You always know when the time's right. Always. You don't have to force your separation. You know, people say to me, well, I'm feeling like this. I'm feeling like this. How do I know? And I do know that situations present themselves and not everything is, I think maybe people imagine that when you decide you're going to separate, it's going to all happen like that. You make the decision, you sit down together, you talk to the children. Yeah, sometimes it happens like that. didn't happen like that for us. You know, it was a, a big dramatic whatever. And but actually what came of it was calm and lovely, you know, so so the, the circumstance of your separation don't dictate what comes next. That's up to you. Um, has your husband read your book? And if so, what does no. he think? It- <laughs> no, it's so funny. When we were doing it, when we were going through it, my editor was kind of, you know, she said, I don't think there's any sort of legalities here or anything, but, you know, I've, you know, maybe taken out that bit or do you think that you'd like to run that past and I said ah how little you know him he hasn't read any of my books this is probably why we're not together anymore um <laughs> no he hasn't read it and when he came around they were all piled up just before publication day I said the book's out and he went oh and he picked it up and had a little look I said and he said oh more royalties to me and winked and I said don't worry I said there's nothing really about you in it I said you can take it if you like he still hasn't taken a copy <laughs> I mean, if that was you, wouldn't you want to know what I would want yeah, to know? Of course. Do you reckon he secretly ordered one from Amazon so he can have a secret yeah. read without you knowing? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I'm sure that's what he's doing. No, it's there's lots of tongue in cheek stuff about that between him and I. And um, but he did he did pick it up and he was like, "That's a beautiful book." And you know, actually, that was kind of like enough for me, just for him to even say that was really nice. So yeah, but funny, very funny. Yeah. No, that's good. That's good. Um, finally, Amy, where can we find you online? Where can you find me online? Well, I'm getting a bit more tech now, Alison. <laughs> IGTV, I've done my first video. Embracing it. How long did IGTV come out? Two years ago? <laughs> Three years ago. <laughs> yeah, so um, so you can find me on Instagram at Amy Ransom Writes. Um, I've got a Facebook community, which is actually quite different to my because I started off as surviving motherhood and my Facebook is still very much surviving motherhood. Um, yeah, that's basically where, and I, and I've got a blog, which is, I don't, are you still blogging? Do you, are you good? I'm still blogging. Oh yeah. Oh, how often? Mm, Once a week or a fortnight, you know. I said to you when we started, you are consistent in practice. I do still, (laughs) I still love my blog. I mean, it's where it started for me, but it's, um, yeah, it's about once every four months, I think, now. But that's fine. Well, also, you know what it's like now that you've got your book coming out. When, you, when you're writing books, you're writing books, you kind of got to kind of choose which you're doing, haven't you? Yeah, um, you do. But blogging's, blogging's amazing, isn't it? It's how we found out, found our voices. Yeah, and it's just that community, isn't it, of, of women and, you know, a lot, mostly women, um, just connecting, connecting and... That's just amazing. That's incredible. Yeah. 
So that, that the blog as well, but mainly Instagram these days. Yeah. Um, Amy, thank you so much for joining me today. It has been fantastic. Um, the Soul Soaring Virtues of Separation is available to buy now from all bookshops, isn't it? Perfect. Thank you, Alison. I've loved having, loved having a catch up with you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code Buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.